Hey, future medics. I'm Anne. And I'm Joshvi, and today we have a special guest with us. Hey, I'm Amy. So, Amy's actually, like, starting her own podcast soon, very soon. And um, do you want to, like, talk a little bit about it, Amy? Yeah, we are at Verdicts and Voices literally on every single social media. So Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, everyone go follow because we have our first episode released and we're having our second one come out soon. And we're basically just all about law. Thanks for sharing. So today's episode is going to be like a continuation of last week's episode because we kind of left you guys on the cliffhanger. Um, So we're just going to finish that off and Amy's going to talk about the legalities of the Dr. Death case. And after we have a special little segment for you guys on how to spot a medical murder. Um, and so with that out of the way, uh, just make sure you follow us on Instagram because that's where we're going to post all our updates. And that's at Medics on the Mic. It might be at Medics on the Mic podcast. No, I, th- I think it's at Medics on the Mic. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> we don't even know our own tag. Yeah, what? Um, <laughs> So it's one or the other. Just follow, basically. <laughs> um, subscribe to our podcast on all platforms, and that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. So it's literally on all platforms, and no one has an excuse not to listen. So make sure you follow on everything. Hello. <laughs> Life updates. Yeah. School has been rough already. Not vibing with it, but it'll be okay. We're going to get through it. It's basically that's- it. I was gonna say same thing as Amy, but um, I love my classes at least. Like I like the topics because I'm like obviously I want to do med right, and I have a lot of science related classes this year, so that's really good. What about yeah. you? Um. Okay. So on Tuesday is my birthday, and I have a whole fiasco that I need to tell you about. Oh. So basically, I ordered. I like completely forgot that my birthday was coming up in a week. And then I was like, oh shoot, I've got to buy a dress. And then I ordered two dresses from two different stores as like a backup, right? Like in case one doesn't come, because obviously I only had a week. Um, And so both of them were going to come. So my birthday is on September 5th. Both of them were going to come on like September 6th. And I was like, oh shoot, what do I do now? And then I like, I've got, I was literally stressing. And then I I went to the mall and then I found the exact same dress that was supposed to come on the 6th. So wait, did you return the other one? Um, they said that I can just call them and then they'll just return it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And guys, just in case you don't know, like Josh Felix throws the craziest parties in the DMV for her birthday. Babes, they're not crazy. <laughs> you're gonna you make them think it's like it's like like OCs, <laughs> like no. <laughs> No, like, her birthday bashes go crazy. So if you guys want an invite, make sure to follow Medics on the Mic. Okay. Josh, Josh is everybody who follows, right? Um, yeah, sure. Um. Okay. <laughs> life updates. You know what? You guys can, like, email us your little life updates. And I can put our email in the um description. Yep. And we're interested, so definitely. Yeah, I'll definitely read through all of them. <laughs> okay anyway life updates over um so now getting into the actual podcast as Joshby said we're doing this as a continuation of the last episode of dr death that my sister did and again yeah we did leave you guys on a little bit of a cliffhanger because um i talked a little bit about how he did end up getting arrested but i didn't really go into why 
because I wanted to save that for this collab. And in case you guys didn't go watch the first episode already, make sure to go watch that because without that context, this is not really going to make sense. <clears throat> but in case you guys just need like a little recap, what happened in the previous episode was basically that I introduced a neurosurgeon named Dr. Death. And basically, he out of like 37 patients, he either killed or maimed 34 of them, maimed meaning severely injured. And he was, you know, regularly just snorting up cocaine, um, just like way too confident in his abilities. Like he was a cool dude, guys. Like I think you guys should really watch the previous episode to just find out more. But yeah, just a really overconfident and delusional person. He also, outside of specifically his um his medical life, he wasn't that great of a person either. He had cheating allegations, robberies, shoplifting, oh. just so many like <laughs> things. What an interesting man. <laughs> yeah. it just really gives us insight into you shouldn't be doing as doctors so that's what you should take away from the previous episode okay and with that i hope you guys got a good recap of that and now i'm gonna hand it over to amy to do our long-awaited kind of dive in of how exactly he got arrested finally okay so i'm here because i'm gonna be going over like the legal terms, your witnesses, the court and the opening testimonies because this case is so interesting. The prosecution like ate it up, like they did so good. <laughs> but basically before we start like learning about a case, the number one thing that you probably have to do as a doctor, to, like you have to define your terms. So what even is medical malpractice? So some people are referring to medical malpractice as a new public healthcare crisis. And John Hopkins researchers just published a study and they found medical malpractice leads to 250,000 deaths a year. Oh my God. Uh-huh. And it makes it the third leading cause of death after cancer and heart disease. Oh my God. I saw it last time. And I was like, I didn't know if it was first or not, but I was like, I definitely remember it was up there. I know. It's literally crazy because like nobody thinks that like doctors kill people. That's not something people talk yeah. about. Okay, wait, but I don't think most of the time it's probably not on purpose, you know? Most of the time it's on accident. But still, we put so much trust in, like, doctors, but we we never think that they're going to make a stupid mistake and then we're going to die because of it, you know? I know. I totally agree with that. So that was around 10 years ago. The number 98,000 deaths a year came out. So then when that number came out, the world was shocked. Everyone was like, what is going on? And now I'm kind of numb to it because nobody really pays attention to it that much anymore. Important to like keep the numbers in mind as we go through this case. And also keep in mind, like there's a lot of economic repercussions to medical malpractice and around $20 billion a year. That's so much money. So only 5% of deaths from malpractice lawsuits actually receive any money. And keep in mind, less people are filing cases because they don't think it's worth it because a lot of cases don't even make it past the claim. Basically, what happens is from my stance as someone who wants to be a lawyer, it's important to notice the details for all these cases. So from a moral standpoint, like Joshua said, it seems like, oh, these numbers are so big, but we have to remember that, right? They're doctors. And I think you guys touched on that on the last couple of episodes. But it's so important to notice that not all these people are going to end up being another doctor death, but there has to be some sort of management for this new public health crisis. Yeah, I also think like if you guys go and watch the first episode or if you guys already did, you'll see how I refer to the severity of each case and how it was just flying by everybody. The Texas Medical Board ignored it for so long. Doctors mm -hmm. that worked with him, a lot of them, I mean, 
a lot of them did take action too, but some of them just like knew what was going on and didn't really say anything. A lot of people knew about his drug use. Like the fact that you need something as severe as Dr. Death to finally like decriminalize is crazy, you know? Yeah. Doctors can make mistakes on not justifiable mistakes on such smaller scales, but they don't get caught because it's not as severe as Dr. Death, you know? Yeah. And then that's the same thing in my case too. They, they went on killing for like six years and no one noticed and then the only way they got noticed oh yeah by the way if you haven't watched episode <laughs> that's episode eight go watch that's interesting like they even got arrested or they even got like the deaths even got noticed was because um they were talking about it and then another doctor working at the hospital overheard so it uh-huh. literally was by accident people need to start in the hospital i guess like an easy way to just fix the big numbers is just paying attention more yeah people need to hold others accountable doctors can make common mistakes it's good to trust our doctors but with that they need to hold up their end of the bargain you know and workplace that somebody's counting on you to do something if you're not checking each other everything's gonna get messed up so then going based off of that malpractice it differs based on state so as we know dr death his case happened in texas so i'm going to talk about like the u.s for a little bit and then we're going to go into texas because it's really in the lines of texas that this matters so the first step to file a medical malpractice case is to do it with in this period of time called the statute of limitation. And for Texas, that's about two years. And also not a lot of these mistakes are actually not commensable for medical malpractice. And according to Texas law, if a doctor like performs a surgery on someone and then the person is injured after, you have to be able to link it. Negligence and injury are two things that you need to have a, a cause to link it. Otherwise, you need your causation won't even matter. You can't even file a claim if you don't link it. So in a court like this, medical malpractice cases, they don't make it. You don't hear. I honestly, I haven't heard of a medical malpractice case until I looked at this one. If your causation isn't strong and you don't have all the criteria hit and you can't prove something's linked, you're not going to be able to win your case. They won't even let it be introduced. And it's hard to do that because with medical like malpractice stuff especially if you're doing it on purpose a lot of the times you can cover it up and just make it seem natural because obviously like patients are sick and sometimes they're really sick to the point that they like are probably gonna die so then it's mm-hmm. it's so easy to just make it seem like it was an accident or it was like just natural yeah right so in texas to file one you have to prove four main things. First, it's duty. And duty is basically the defendant is the healthcare provider who owed the injured patient something. So if you go in for a checkup, they owe you a checkup. You go in for surgery, they owe you a surgery. The second is a breach. Every state has a standard of care jurisdiction. If somebody breaches the standard of care, that's the breach. Third is causation. Like we were talking about, it's basically the link between malpractice and injury. And then fourth, it's the damages. So in the claim, it usually ends with the damages being either calculated or presented. And then the court usually handles like injury compensation. As mentioned before, in legal settings, defining terms is really important. So in Texas, standard care is to act as a healthcare provider of reasonable and ordinary prudence would act under the same or similar circumstances. Keep in mind, medical negligence is a part of malpractice, but they're not the same thing. Medical negligence is an avoidable but unintentional mistake, and then malpractice is an intentionally negligent action. So you have to like think about that. It makes sense after you think about it. 
Also, if you don't meet the deadline, which is the statute of limitations, you won't even, you can't file your case, you won't get compensation. And then for Texas, the statute of limitations is two years from the date malpractice occurred or the date of the last treatment or the date of last surgery or anything that happened according to it. And I think in Virginia, it's four years. You have to fact check me on that. But this is important because the prosecution were like rushing because it's yeah, going to get... I saw. It was like they only had a few months left and they were like going crazy, bro. Also, like they... I think two years is like way too short. for like Yeah. That's why one of the prime witnesses, Mary Efford, she she was the one that they were like rushing for because she was the one at the brink. Okay, so that's just like goes back to why it's so hard to convict because there's just so many things you need to follow. The actual trial is so interesting. It was like it was two weeks long and it had a strong focus on Mary Efford's testimony. And we're going to go into this later, like we just mentioned. And um, just like a recap, we all know that Dr. Death practiced for two years as a spine surgeon and then he performed on 37 people, 31 are paralyzed, two died. He faced six charges. That was five accounts of aggravated assault and then one of injury to an elderly person. The elderly person is the Mary Efford. So he was also the first ever physician to be imprisoned for harming a patient. So that just shows you how many malpractice cases don't do well. He also tried appealing his case. Like Bud thought, like after all this evidence, he <laughs> so he tried appealing the case and he was rejected. And then Wait, that's super surprising. Yeah, I was like, oh, bro, it was just like, bro, why does Bud like he got annihilated during the case? <laughs> Wait, um, I have one question. Yeah. Um, why is there a statute of limitations in the first place? I always see so many cases that can't be, you know, held anymore because of statute of limitations. That's so unfair because justice can't be served. Like, why does it exist? For medical malpractice, it's even more important because if, let's say, like, a surgeon, like, did something to somebody like 25 years ago and they brought it up now to convict the person might have changed and it's also how sufficient is the evidence if time passes you know it's like you have to view it as physical evidence sometimes as time goes by evidence becomes more faulty because time is also changing so it's like that kind of reason and also if they didn't do a deadline like the case would just like be like pro you know yeah okay wait so this thing is it like after he gets arrested or is it like after the actual crime occurs? No, it's either after like Mary Efford, either after the surgery, after the last appointment or after the last treatment, like like oh, the okay. date forward. Yeah. Okay. Those are good questions. Those are, yeah. It's important. Okay. Everyone get ready. So this trial had so many healthcare professional witnesses, so many victim witnesses and family members, everything. And the strength behind these testimonies were the variety of witnesses. The reason this prosecution did so well is because they had so many firsthand accounts. Like they had anesthesiologists, they had nurses, doctors. It brought so much legibility to the case. This case was taken to the district attorney's office and Michelle Schugert led the prosecution team to win this case. Bro, she's literally oh, so good. <laughs> she actually was so young when young for a lawyer is like not that young. She was young when her boss gave her this case. This is basically what they had to prove under the state. 
So Dr. Dad's watched operations were egregious to the judgment of a regular person, so the jury, and they were not in line with the standard care. So in this case, negligence won't be enough to convince there needs to be more. The reason this case was hard to grapple with from a prosecutor's standpoint, it's because Dr. Dad's record was clean, but his patient history obviously was not. We all know how many people he decided to slice out. Oh, wait, I thought you said like his record wasn't clean. I thought he like, committed a, a bunch of randomly small crimes. Oh, I was just mentioning that, like, it's the record was clear for them because no doctors had documentation. Their hospitals he was at decided to not document anything. Yeah, I wait, that's literally what I was going to say. Another thing that really pissed me off as I was reading this whole thing, the hospital would literally, like, fire him for being so bad and then send compensation letter where they're like, there's nothing yeah. wrong with him. Like, we're just letting him go mutually. It's not what happened. What? I know, because in my case, too, it was like the hospital was trying to cover it up. What the heck? Yeah. It's probably because they don't want to be involved in case something does happen. No, I think it's because... Oh, yeah, I think that's because of that, because then the public isn't going to trust them and they're going to lose business. Yeah. And that itself is so much money lost. Yeah. It literally all goes back to money when you think about it. Yeah, yeah well, why are we oh, all like... Gold diggers. Oh, well. Yeah, that was a big part of it. Um, The prosecution had a hard time with this case because in a case like this, if you don't have expert knowledge... Nothing's going to stand before like a judge or a jury. So that's why um, they had three main people who pulled through. They helped them out. So it was Dr. Robert Henderson, Dr. Randall yeah. Kirby. Yeah, you talked about him last episode. Amazing these people, bro. I love them. They were amazing. Good. And then there was also, um, what's his name? Oh, Martin Larby. Um, he was kind of relevant, but like he was there. Oh, the neurosurgeon, right? Oh, yeah, I think he was a nurse. Yeah, yeah. I, I mentioned him a few times. Yeah, he was kind of relevant, but he helped with the case. So thanks. Yeah. We just got to mention him for, you But if he, like, listens to this podcast, I, like, mm. put him <laughs> under. <laughs> Wait, we love you, Dr. Larby. <laughs> a case like this, the defense would have to start out by questioning the mental stability of their defendant. Let's say Dr. Death was not in the mental when he was performing surgeries. The defense has a point now. Right. So that's the thing that they had to work with. So Shukert, she was so smart. She strategized and she combined so much evidence and she proved that he was in a normal mental state. And then since they proved this, the insanity plea is off. There's no way defense can like be like, oh, he's insane. Like There's so many people try to do that, right? I right. This. Yeah. Next verdict in voices episodes, we're actually gonna be talking about insanity plea. So okay. <laughs> yeah, go watch. Okay. <laughs> As we mentioned before, they had two months before the statute of limitations for Mary Efforts, so they were on a time crunch. And then there was this attorney, Ken Van Way. She's a Dallas plaintiff attorney. She represented over 10 of Dr. Dead's clients. She was actually the one who started this work and brought awareness to it. Nobody knows about her, so we just got to put her in there because she, <laughs> she was very good. Give my um, recognition. Right. She's the one who literally helped the prosecution build the case against him. We have to give credit when credit's deserved. When they had enough evidence to prove recklessness, the prosecution team wanted Dr. Death to never be able to practice again. So they strategically charged him with aggravated assault, and that leads to a second degree felony charge. And they also discovered Mary, when she had her surgery, she was 65 years old. So this 
led them to tacking on the injury to an elderly person charge, and this leads to first-degree felony. So all of these cases, they were sealed when they were prepared, so Dr. Death had no idea was coming until they showed up at his hotel room. And Because really? usually with crimes and stuff, the suspect knows and everything, and then they'll prepare and like sometimes run away and stuff. But like, no. I feel like this just shows Death was like going through it. He was literally, I remember seeing the 2013, I mean, not 2013, it was like some period when he had his license revoked. He was just shoplifting and like, like he was like one, um, there's this count of him like showing up to his ex-girlfriend's house covered in blood. I was like, what's going on? Uh, what? <laughs> Where's this man getting this confidence from? <laughs> I was going to ask earlier about the insanity plea, right? A lot of mm-hmm. people refers him as a sociopath is that considered a mental health problem is that something you can get an insanity plea for if you were to go in that route or a psychopath either one of those the thing with an insanity plea it's because those terms are used so loosely the thing with an insanity plea is you need psychiatric evaluations insanity plea couldn't even happen with this case because technically he wasn't evaluated so they can't just be like he's insane you need to have professionals evaluate you thoroughly before and there's different rules for every state so you can't calling him a sociopath won't be enough evidence to plead insanity if, it, if they were to prove that he was either a sociopath or a psychopath, would that fall under, like, an insanity plea? A sociopath and a psychopath is a term, not a mental disease. So they could prove that we're schizophrenic. Schizophrenic? <laughs> Wait, if, this is what happens when you don't listen to medics on the mic, guys. Hey, <laughs> about to go listen to all the episodes. Don't you worry. <laughs> If he was like that and they could prove it's an umbrella category thing. Some people, they can like prove that they have bipolar disorder and that they forgot to take their medicine and that makes them not not guilty. It's interesting. We're going into it next episode. It's just a lot. But long, like short answer, no, they can't just do that. Okay, so just going back to the court case. In court, there were 39 witnesses presented over eight days and like we talked about, prosecution was insane. In four hours, jury decided him guilty on the first degree. Dang, so, hours? Very fast. It was actually like one hour, but four hours for like them to, you know, and then, you know. Wait, like, what? Right. <laughs> you know how like some juries take days to decide? Yeah. When you go in as a jury, the time starts going. It was four hours elapsed time, but for all of them to come to consensus, they... Doing it was only an hour. Wait, so was it like three hours was for the actual case or something? No, that was like them like this, like, you know, like all the everything going out. They're brain dumping everything. And then the decision was easy. Uh, You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, sorry. I was so confusing for that for no reason. For, I don't know how it works for like larger trials. Like, is the jury still just random decisions even for like murder cases like that? Isn't it always random unless you're at the Supreme Court? Oh, this isn't at Supreme Court? No, this isn't Supreme uh, Court. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. Honestly, like, it would be so cool to be in a jury for something this big. Like, Yeah, yeah what? <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, people see it on the news and be like, you know, I actually, I actually sent him to jail. Like, that was me. My vote is the one that sent him to jail. So you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> jury for this case was actually so good. They were the people who take notes, and one of the people on the jury wrote personalized letters to every single one of the victims. Aww, that's so, that's so sweet. I know. They were so, they were such a good jury. 
such a good one. Imagine like not, not knowing anything about, about the doctor death case, case and then just sitting in the jury and hear all that. I feel like, like what the heck is going on? Like, the first day of the trial was basically the main one, though. It started out with, they had like their emotion statement, you know, like to get the hearts of people. Then they went on a crash course on spinal anatomy for like four hours. <laughs> so that's like basically why the jury was taking notes. Because for like cases like this, if you don't understand the medical, like not like the jury is not going to be doctors. So like understanding every single detail is important. And if they if they don't present this evidence, that's insufficient background evidence. So that's like a whole problem. Dr. So they didn't who did that it was uh henderson that oh, was who presented it henderson was the first day Humbling moment for dr death yeah <laughs> he was like stone-faced the entire thing like he's just like he was stone the entire time like he was just like it looks like his eyes were just like glassed over like Bro. Why is this man like? I don't even understand. Like, where is this man getting his like ego from? I'm so sorry. Like, he showed up to work with holes in his pants. Like, what? Oh, so goofy. But like, going into surgery and you just see someone's like butt crack. Like, I would yeah. quit my job. Like, what? <laughs> That's so nasty, bro. Okay, so the first day of the trial, obviously in a court, like the first day is the most important opening statements, all this stuff happens. So the two main testimonies that I wanted to highlight were Mary Efforts, which was the woman who added the elderly person and then Dr. Henderson. So their stories are like tied together. So Mary Efforts' testimony, she had two surgeries with Dr. Death. During the first, it seemed to have went okay. Dr. Robert Henderson, the GOAT, he testified that the surgery was performed a spinal disc above the actual site and he performed it between l3 l4 when the paperwork showed consent for l4 l5 right i think always just like performs on the wrong body part i saw that so many times when i was researching. yeah literally how do you just like perform in the wrong place Um... (laughs) there was just so much evidence how is bud like like how are you gonna walk like no bro oh my god Literally, like, please go watch the last episode if you haven't already, because it's actually so ridiculous the things he did. Spoiler alert! I'll give you one more. He literally was trying to install like a a cage screw thing, and he first of all he lost the screw in the body. <laughs> oh, um, what? And then, and then when they did a CT scan, he didn't even install it in the right place. Like, bye. <laughs> There's no spatial awareness. Like, yeah, literally. <laughs> it was just like crazy and then like the fact that like dr henderson was there just like sold it home for the whole case so on thursday dr henderson his testimony was so logically implemented by the prosecution he had a three-hour session for like things final we had about how mary efforts second surgery dr death placed screws in soft tissue instead of the actual bone a pattern here about screws yeah <laughs> <laughs> screws during the prosecution cross-examining, Michelle Shugart asked, this is like a regular thing a neurosurgeon should know, and Henderson said, it's, quote, it's the same sort of way we do when we eat a T-bone steak, we don't eat the hard part. At least he knew what he was talking about. We have somebody who is certified. And then keep in mind, this is crazy to me, but effort, Mary Effort, she lost almost half a gallon of blood, and that's around a third of a bodily supply. Yeah, keep that blood loss in mind for later. It happens again, and it's not fun. Oh. Um, 
I remember that in the surgery, like it was like bleeding out onto the floor, and Doctor Death would just get some cloth and wipe it up, and like, bro, what? He was like, what? So annoying. Um, bro, literally not real. The blood's annoying. Like what? <laughs> Surgical technique is annoying, bro. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's why Henderson. He was just like, I'm done with this man, and that's why he popped off during this testimony. <laughs> He did a lot of visual things, which is important for a jury. If you're a jury who doesn't know anything, he did digital drawings. He brought like a whole like diagram. He played a video, a corrective surgery he did for Mary Efford, and showed everything that Dr. Death did wrong. Yeah, because while he was doing it, he wanted to have something in case a case happened. You know what I mean? He was smart. That's so good. Wow. Yeah. I also want to mention, because you and Nina talked about his druggy background, think about this. Do you think it's, like, reasonable for somebody to bring, if they were to bring up the fact that he was a druggie, would that be good evidence to show his irresponsible behavior? I think it is, because of the fact that he would use it the night before, and then the effects would still be lasting when he would go in, and then he'd be fully confident that he could function even under. I think that, like, if you prove that he's a druggie, I don't think that would be good enough evidence but i think maybe if you prove that he like the effects of the drugs were like still lasting while he was in surgery or while he was on his shifts then i think that would be good enough evidence what happened is michelle sugar she didn't even mention the drug background or the irrational behavior of him because she found her strength obviously in her witnesses but it's smart because if if he was performing surgery under the influence, that would actually hurt the prosecution because they're trying to prove that he knew exactly what he was doing when he was performing surgery. Because you have to have the intent of harm, right? Right. If they decided to say like one of their pieces of evidence is that he's a druggie. Like, and then the defense attorney, Bobby McClung, he said they're with the surgery. They want you to think he knew. They want you to draw you in with the emotions and all facts. And then Shugart, in her statement, she said, why didn't he stop? For the rest of this trial, that's like what they were grappling with, both prosecution and defense. So there were obviously a lot of witnesses. Dr. Robert Henderson is the main one that I love. He was one of the surgeons in Dallas, and he brought a lot of attention um, to Dr. Death. He was brought into the courtroom to play the role of the expert. He stated this, he did virtually everything wrong, so to be able to do everything that much wrong, I felt that he must have known at some point in time how to do it right. It was that egregious. And then, as mentioned in previous episodes, he spent hours in court going over everything that went wrong. And what it, that just shows you like what it takes to actually prove medical malpractice. Just like reviewing what happened in Mary Efford's case, just go watch the last episode, honestly. But he's basically like Dr. Death decided to play whack a mole with surgical tools and Marco. <laughs> it's crazy. Really, it was it was so bad. And he had to put an implant in, and it wasn't even in the designated spot, it was in the muscle. And like in order to get that, he had to rip apart and destroy muscles to the tunnel. Wait, so why is he doing this wrong? But like like he's putting more work on himself literally that's what i'm saying bro i don't he's so whack i just i've <laughs> heard one is crazy because it's like it was just a whole list of things he did wrong like everyone else has had like these like main things that he would mess up hers was like everything together that he's ever done wrong that's, yeah oh my god true and then there was floella brown i know last episode we talked about her in 2012 she came in for a neck surgery and then she just never made it out alive. 
And the Brown family, they strongly represented this one of the litany of boxed operations. And then obviously we talked about Mary Afford. On Friday, she appeared in court um, as a witness at 74 years old. She had her surgery performed the same day as Floella's and Floella died. Yeah. Having somebody who died and then the same operator operate on you. As, again, go watch the previous episode for the whole thing. The, the morning of Floella, um, in the middle of like a seizure or something, like she was literally about to die and bro was just like taking a nap or something. Like he forgot to pull up. And like when oh she God. was really in the middle of like a stroke and then, or a see, I don't remember if it was a seizure or a stroke. And then pulled up 45 minutes late to um effort surgery too. It's very punctual. So in court, Effort, she said, I cannot move my feet and legs. I couldn't turn over in the bed and my thought was something is wrong. We can just tell how much pain she was in. Raj Kumar, he was the CEO of Dallas Medical Centers at the time. And basically he witnessed in court saying like, now that he saw all these red flags, that's when they came in and said stop. But this was too late because the fact that Floella had to die for them to realize this is like kind of scary. Also, didn't like Dallas Medical Center not even say anything even after they yeah. knew all this yep when the prosecution accident like called them this girl was being so dodgy on the phone she was like um and then they were like okay and they just didn't have any help with them to build their case so it's like when when they realized that they weren't like they were going to get exposed either way is when they started talking you know up yeah yeah i think their surgery like dallas medical center is where he did the work that was like the turning point case and everyone else around them is realizing that there's a problem and dallas medical center just sent them off like sent him off with a hey we're like mutually gonna like disband again like he sent like the same letter being like it's chill like he didn't do anything wrong like i know because in my in my last case the case i was doing too i think the the police came to the hospital to investigate because they knew something was going on. And the hospital sent them away. And, and it's like, bro, like, something's so clearly wrong. Just, I feel like it's going to be worse for you when they actually find out something's wrong and they find out that you were hiding it. Then, like, just let them, like, investigate. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So much can be fixed if we said we talked about it in the beginning. Just people just notice things. Be observant, please. Hospital is not even like, noticing. It's they, yeah. they just didn't want to take accountability. Yeah, that's so true. Talking about our next witness, it was Jerry Summers. And for those of you who haven't watched the last episode, he was Dr. Death's childhood friend. And he had a surgery done in 2011 because he was in a car crash. He was having back pain. When he woke up, he just couldn't move. And the court... Best friend betrayal in history, guys. Like, yeah, this was crazy. This was metaphorically and physically backstabbing. <laughs> The court, they got a two-hour video deposition. A deposition is recorded evidence that's, like, under oath. And that was given by Jerry Summers to the court. Then he, it was just a bunch of, of the surgery. No, it was, like, a deposition of him going through everything that happened to him. Wow. He said he he yeah. Wow. He didn't come to the courtroom. He sent it in. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, basically, there's a bunch of quotes from him. I would definitely, like... There's only clips online you can find about his testimony because he was like main one that was like allowed to be broadcasted. Um, I want to talk about a couple of like these like smaller nurses and doctors that were part of it. There was Dr. Joy Gap Germany. She was an anesthesiologist and she testified that Jerry Summers lost again one third of his blood, same as um this effort. And just to help everyone understand, 
blood is about 1.5 gallons of a human body and that means he lost half a gallon of blood during one surgery like some people get dizzy just by getting like a little like tiny pinch of blood out of their body like how's this like how's this man taking out a third of his like blood i know and guys like just imagine like doing this to your best friend like i would never live this down yeah what joshi if you ever do this to me (laughs) i will don't worry (laughs) (laughs) and then there was nurse thora strasser she's the one who brought summers to his recovery room and she testified that she never saw anything like this happen and me and Anne were laughing at this before but she said he was just coming down the hallway eating chips <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know why this is so funny but it was so funny the defense like rebutted this by saying maybe he was just hungry and I- <laughs> <laughs> courtrooms are not real <laughs> hungry from watching the surgery so bad he like left his best friend paralyzed without a third of his blood yeah, and like Gary like, Summers is hungry because one third of his blood is gone yeah what's going on <laughs> that was just too hungry to wait. I just found that so funny <laughs> that just like that shows you like for a lawyer or anybody like doing a medical malpractice case those details actually do help the case because that just shows he's being ignorant and he doesn't have like any feeling towards it. If there was at least one case where he shed a tear about harming his patient or he had remorse, that would be ground for the defendants to stand on, you know? But there was like nothing because like bro was eating chips, bro was like at the vending machine, like he didn't do nothing. <laughs> no because i remember like when i was in an uber one day i don't know if i talked about this in a previous episode but like one of my uber drivers was telling me that he has this like regular customer if you want to call her what do you call it, passenger who's mm-hmm. a neurosurgeon right and one time he was he was literally off that day like he and for neurosurgeons this is like a one in a million like this is more rare than like christmas bro like the, having just like a random off day so he finally got his off day, but then he was called in for an emergency surgery and mm-hmm. he was driving there like with the Uber and he was like, please get there fast. His patient died before he could even operate on the patient. And he was like bawling in oh, like, and he's like bawling. And let's just look at the contrast between him and Mr. Death just eating some chips. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Like there has to be some level of remorse. Like, bro was just setting himself up to go to prison exactly. for life. Like, that neurosurgeon didn't even, like, technically do anything wrong. He, he like, couldn't even physically get there, and he he still felt that much remorse. And for Dr. Death to, like, literally be the cause of so many people's, like, hard lives and just not feel guilty is crazy. Yeah, that's literally insane. So, Summers, he had four surgeries trying to correct what Dr. Death did to him. But he was still left with incomplete paralysis. So as everyone can see, he that's his best friend. And now he can't move anything. Like, it was bad. Not his best and, friend anymore. Yeah, never talk after that. A month after the last surgery, after Jerry Summers was Kelly Martin's surgery. And Don Martin is her husband. She went in for back surgery before her cruise in 2012. And Don Martin said in witness, I asked him if she was going to be okay. And he said, yes. And it was not okay. So what happened is she passed away during, after the surgery, Dr. Death came out halfway and he said that the surgery went well, but there were complications. And then later he Babes, came. What? Went yeah. well? Like your patient literally like, what? 
said that. No, like, that really like he would literally always say the surgery went well every single time. I guess he does not understand what well means. Like, if they're bleeding out about to die, it's not well. Literally, anytime someone would bring up Kelly Martin, like, one of his, like, last patients saw that, like, Dr. Death literally killed her on like when he was like searching him up because obviously you want to know if your search is good right so the mm-hmm. night before he found out that he killed her and so rightfully he's like calling him being like hey like heard you like killed a patient what's going what's on going- <laughs> and and bro like dr death started going off at him over the phone he's like how could you say that like this is not true he blamed like her death because she was allergic to fentanyl and fentanyl is you use during intubation to like you know um help with like respiratory like help them breathe and stuff and she he was like yeah she died because of that not because of my like terrible surgical skills and he was like yelling and cussing at his patient over the phone because he asked about like like i feel like that's like a valid question to ask too like i'm so sorry um it's giving stage one denial (laughs) um also during um during Kelly's surgery, because she passed away, one of the surgical nurses, Catherine Kelly Lawrence, she quoted, she witnessed in court too. Like I said, there's so many nurses who witnessed and they all did like so good at proving this case. She said she was screaming in pain. I don't ever want to do another one again. That just shows you. Like if a nurse who witnesses these things on a daily basis was like, that was the worst thing I've ever seen. Like, oh, the nurse said that? The nurse said that. Oh my god. She was, she was there when it like it happened and she was witnessing it. Mm-hmm. And then Dr. Death came out a halfway like after he said there were complications and he said vitals were lost and she crashed. And then Don Martin said, go back in there and go work on it. Like he left the surgery room to like tell him that her vitals crashed. Right. Like Yeah, what? What was yeah. He's supposed to do with that information. Be like, thanks, thanks for the update, gang. Like, what? Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> like, other people in the room for surgery to go tell. Like, bro, you don't really, you're the main surgeon. <laughs> and then, prosecutors stated that Dr. Death had slashed a major artery and her spinal cord, and then she bled out only at age 32. So, that's another life taken. I'm about to go on a cruise, guys. Like, oh, I know. It's, it's so bad what he did. And I feel like some people don't know about it. So it's really important to talk about it. And then there was another doctor, Dr. Hoyle. On Friday morning, he testified. Um, he said, you're going to hurt you're gonna hurt somebody. I'm never going to work with you again. And then basically this trial ended with the prosecution stating that Dr. Death either sentenced his patients to life or life in pain. And altogether, 23 mm-hmm. liters of blood was lost between all of his patients. Uh-huh. Like, yeah and then wow yeah like we mentioned before an hour the jury agreed on the charges um and then in a write-up by michelle shugart the prosecuting attorney she said every other possible check in the system had failed but our 12 jurors finally got it right and that's just like really scary to think about you know like so many things happened and there were so many people who could have caught it and honestly we can't blame the system because the system reforms as time goes by but I feel like cases like these that get the attention, that just shows you that, like, like we talked about, like, things are actually messed up. And when justice is served, when it's supposed to be, it's, like, the most relieving thing, you know? Because mm-hmm. I remember, um, the basically, the medical board is the one who can revoke his license, right? 
they wouldn't revoke it. Like people were like Henderson and Kirby were like literally pressing them. They're like, this man can't be out here doing surgeries. Cause like, even though everybody knew he was a bad doctor, I talked about this in the last episode, but like because neurosurgeons bring in so much profit to a hospital, they bring like over two million to a hospital. Mm-hmm. There's so few neurosurgeons in the world that people will just hire. They don't like care that much unless it's something. But like, doesn't that like just having him in the hospital doesn't that just like already like like don't you already lose money because of that? Because like, well, back then it wasn't like it was known among doctors, but like patients didn't really know because he had a really yeah. good like mm-hmm. online persona. So like a lot okay. of people tested him. Yeah. So then like for months on end, like people were so many people were sending in stuff being like, dude, like this person obviously needs to get his license revoked. And it's only when like some like BBC reporter contacted the medical board and was like, I see that your investigation on him is really slow moving. All of a sudden his like license was revoked in like a day. Like, what's going on? It's oh. like when like a reporter, you know like finally went and did it like they probably got scared that oh they're gonna get backlash then they quickly did it i mean we can't say for sure right but like just like reading all these things i was like are you kidding me like the medical people i know because like it's like is money really worth that much that you're gonna like go and like hurt and like ruin people's lives Mm -hmm. oh wait i have a question though um were all of his like surgeries bad like did they all like end up hurting someone or were there some that were good? Or that I don't know if they went amazing, but they went okay. Actually, um, it was part of my last episode. There was this one lady who she was one of the very lucky few who she literally quote unquote said at least I could walk after the surgery because that's how like bad his results were. But basically, um, because her surgery went okay, he asked her to do like a advertisement type of thing for him, and he was like, "Oh, it's for this award I'm receiving," but he lied. He just like submitted it as an ad and because of that she she unintentionally lured in so many more like victims of yeah. his death. Oh. And she, yeah, she was expressing how she felt really guilty because of that because you know something she said led so many more patients to like go downhill. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. I didn't even know about that. That's crazy. Yeah. It's sad, like also the doctor doesn't fool her like that and then like put that burden on her because now she feels like it's her fault that like a patient had to go through suffering you know yeah also something I read well first it's just like crazy because like the school that he went to the University of Tennessee they covered his drug history the hospitals he worked at hit all his records and then the medical board they like completely did everything. So all of these like places that society views as esteemed and like privileged, like they're the ones who hide the most, you know? And it's like crazy. I know. It was so like as I was reading, I was like, why is like nobody just like saying the truth? Like everybody was just like trying to cover something up. You know? I read somewhere recently in an article about Dr. Death that like Bro, like, prays every single day in jail. Like, he calls his, like, sons. Like, sure. he, he, like, meditates. And I don't mm-hmm. even know. Yeah. He got, like, a whole... Their development, like, good for him. But I see so many people that... I've, I don't know if you are going to cover this, but I've seen, I've seen, like, a lot of things where people will, like, pretend to, like, you know, be Christian or, like, be transformed by God in order to, like... Get, get out on parole. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Have you seen that too? Yeah. Yeah. 
that's actually like a really interesting point because um I think I mentioned this before, but he is eligible for parole in twenty forty five. Okay, gonna... but like even if he gets released, he's not gonna be able to go back, right? Yeah, no. The, I don't think they is there like an age for neurosurgeons because like when you get old can you even perform surgery is that a thing you can but he definitely could not get it back no mm. yeah he'll be 74 when he has a chance for parole so that's like you know is he even gonna live that long after all the cocaine he snorted <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not praying on his death guys but I'm just asking <laughs> Yeah, but basically that was the case um oh so this like entire case basically everything went over the expert witnesses the mary effort the aggravated assault five cases and then the elderly person charge all these things just tied to him being imprisoned for life and while he does have a chance as pro as we just talked about he is paying his time and i think the the trial itself went really well for medical malpractice trial. And I think it was a very statement trial because as mentioned before, he was the first ever physician to actually be imprisoned. So that itself is like amazing. So that was like the whole trial. That was Dr. Death trial. Wait, I have one question. Has mm-hmm. the Texas medical malpractice laws changed in any way since then? I actually haven't looked at them during Dr. Death's time. So I'm not sure about that. I think the thing is, like, malpractice laws aren't what would have been changed. It's just, like, the court can't, like, change how institutions handle things. Like, they can put more regulations in line, which they should have done and hopefully they did done, to make sure, like, they have, like, files on access, like, nothing's hidden. But, like, they, like, that's something I haven't looked into yet. That's a really good question, though. Okay, so that was very informative. I definitely learned a lot about how, like, court trials work and stuff because I didn't know that there were all of these, like, restrictions. And every time I hear about, like, court cases, I always just think, like, oh, God, why is the prosecution so incompetent? But, like, I understand now. Like, I understand. This this one was a serve, though. The prosecution was amazing. Yep, it was. Oh, wait, I do have a question, though. With the prosecution, are the lawyers that they hire, are they people that work with the police or are they like people that are like outside lawyers that they just hire for the case or what is it like for the prosecution for this case what happened was the case actually went to this firm that sugar worked at and her boss got the case but her boss was so busy at the time that she gave it to sugar so there's no like assigned people or people that they want it's just like she did research on the case beforehand and her boss thought she was best fit to take it so she took it and led a team okay yeah Okay. Well, anyways, with that out of the way, um, I just thought it would be cool if like, I told you guys some like characteristics about medical murderers and ma- basically like how to spot them. And maybe like if your doctor, if your like neurosurgeon is a drug addict, then don't go. Like just leave. Just run out of the hospital. Not to name any names. <laughs> yeah. What? Not targeted. Okay. And then also I was thinking um, we could kind of like figure out ways to solve some of these problems because some of them are pretty solvable but yeah yeah super excited yeah so to start off with the personal lives of medical murderers usually sometimes they'll have like a history of substance and drug abuse I see a pattern yeah what (laughs) 
And then other times they'll have secretive and difficult personal relations. And that's kind of going back to my case, because in my case, the the nurses, they had like, so there were four nurses, right? So three of the nurses, they had um terrible like personal relationships with, because I think one of their husbands, um they, he was like abusive. And so then another person, I think like they got divorced she got divorced with her husband and stuff like that and then and then another person like they immigrated so they didn't have a lot of personal relationships or a lot of like meaningful personal connections mm-hmm. it's like that with dr depp except for like he was the one who cheated on his basically so yeah basically he was incapable basically it was all his fault <laughs> Uh, next, it would be, like, a history of mental health and, like, instability, um, and a lot of the times, like, sometimes they'll have, like, personality disorders, so maybe in the surgery, their whole personality will change, and then they won't even, like, realize that what, the, like, that they're intentionally like, harming someone, you know, yeah, and then, like, outside of the surgery, they'll be, like, they'll think that they're innocent, but they're really not, and maybe, like, they genuinely do think that. Mm. Oh, and then another time it'll be like that they crave attention and they like want people to notice them. And this is like going back to my case too. Um, the main person, I think her main problem was that um, she felt like she didn't have any power because all of her um, patients were dying and no matter how much work she was putting in, there, she wasn't really getting like results out of it, right? Oh, this might sound confusing, so make sure, like, definitely go check out episode eight, but, like, she felt like she didn't have power, and I guess, like, it kind of shows that, like, oh, yeah, she wanted attention, maybe, so she was doing all of this stuff, and she wasn't even being, like, super secretive about it, um, probably just because she wants people to notice. Mm. I don't think Beth was doing it for attention, but, like, Dr. Death wasn't very secretive about any of his, like, malpractices either he would do it in attention in a way where it's like he he would just like want to show off that he's a surgeon oh he would always just be like he'd be like i'm like the best surgeon in the room like nobody can do it like me yeah oh my god he's right nobody nobody can kill a patient like what like that bro like yeah (laughs) well he literally started every single patient meeting off by being like i'm the best i got you he was like he was like a whole business dealer bro like yeah okay and then the last thing would be like that they have a history of criminal activity and then also like a lot of the times to get past this uh before they get their like clearance or before they start working they'll like falsify their um criminal records so that it it shows that they don't have any criminal activity or criminal like history but really they do and like didn't you say that dr death wasn't he like he was I don't know about before his career. He was definitely doing drugs, but, like, he never really got caught for that. But after he got his medical license revoked, he literally, like, went crazy. Like, he was, like, every day was, like, a new crime for him. He was just trying so many new things. He didn't know what to do after his, like, fake neurosurgeon job ended. Okay, and now I'm going to move on to, like, the work history. Okay, so... Uh, The first thing would be that they're, like, constantly changing hospitals. Um, And I saw this in, like, a movie. I think it was called The Good Nurse. You guys should watch it. It was really good. I think it's on Netflix. But in this movie, basically, like, there was a nurse. And um, she was working at a hospital. And I think she had, like, 
kids and obviously like nurses they don't get paid too much and so she also had like a heart issue and like as a healthcare worker if you have an issue with your with your like body then I think you're not allowed to work or you have to take like um you have to take off a little bit until it gets better um but that wasn't possible for her because she needed the money for her um for her treatments and stuff so it's kind of like a whole cycle um does it do hospitals like not give any sort of like compensation when you need medical help I don't know like I think that they should yeah you're giving your entire self to the healthcare system so they yeah yeah and like she's like she does so much for for the hospital too right like she's a really good nurse everything Mm -hmm. so then another nurse came into the hospital and I think his name was like Charlie something I, I don't know his his full name, but it was like something like Charlie. And then he was basically providing support and he made it seem like, oh, he's such a good person. Like, oh my God, he's helping me. You know, he was like a friend to her and um, like throughout her whole like disease and everything. And, um, and then she started noticing that a lot of his patients were dying, right? She brought this to like to someone's attention and then I forgot what happened but some like legal case happened she was like the main witness but basically the point is that this guy he's been a nurse killing patients at like many different hospitals so he's just been jumping around and every time that a hospital like kind of senses that oh yeah wait why are all of his patients like dying he would move to a new hospital exactly doctor death too what the heck <laughs> yeah like why are they all the same why are they the same people Literally, you just made a list of like what doctor death does bro also, I think it's because, like, uh, at least when I was searching up the definition of sociopath, like, they're really reckless people. And a lot of these things just fall under, like, reckless things to do. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. And then another thing would be, like, a history of disciplinary problems. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really have anything to say about this. Like, basically, like, I don't know. <laughs> but... Yeah. I didn't see that present in my in Dr. Depp's case. I, the only thing I saw really, and I think I don't think this is a sign of anything bad at first. It was like something about his like football career, basically, where he he was always like super persistent, even though he just wasn't that good. He would always be like, no, I can do it. I can make it. Even though like he was so clear, he so clearly couldn't make it. And like when I first saw that, I was like, oh, it's good to have determination. Right. But then when you kind of like know the context behind it and what he like was doing after where he was like delusionally like killing his patients and like thinking that he was doing fine that Mm -hmm. kind of shows like his character like of like confidence I guess has developed into something not good yeah he definitely had like a lot of moments where like he should have had disciplinary actions but like there was just no disciplinary actions like with the hospitals and everything and definitely his school like if you're a druggie in med school, like, you're, like, going against, like, what you're... No, there was also, like, like, I don't know what the heck Tennessee University, like, did they make, like, a deal with him? Like, I don't really know what happened, but, like, he literally took, like, a break in the middle of his residency. Like, is that... You can't just do that. Wait, actually? Yeah, and he couldn't... In his last year of residency, he couldn't even operate alone. That's how bad he was. And they were just like, yeah, you're chill. How long is usually residency? residency for neurosurgery neurosurgeons are like six to seven years so he oh. took a month's break and he just like showed up again and they were like hey hey wait what <laughs> <laughs> so basically he should have gotten disciplinary action literally like, so many times yeah what 
And then um, another time is that they'll prefer shifts with fewer co-workers. And um, going back to um, the, like, lines, Angels of Death, they definitely, like, they definitely chose, like, night shifts over morning shifts because that was the time that they could, um, they could do their whole, like, water cure method without, um, without anyone noticing because it was a long process. I don't think Dr. Death did that because he was too high and also <laughs> he like wouldn't even show up to the hospital half the time. So Yeah, what? <laughs> and then um and then the last thing is this an history of incidents at other facilities and I kinda touched on this in the first part. But like obviously like a lot of the times they'll just like leave and they'll they'll show up to a new hospital with their like records like completely clear and mm-hmm. honestly like I think it's so bad that like like after like moving from from all of these hospitals and doing all of this stuff they go to a new hospital and the hospital doesn't even know that like oh wait no. this person like this person literally kills people like there, there has to be a way of like communicating those stuff. There's like a database actually. I forgot what it's called, but that's where you're supposed to report stuff about physicians. But nobody did it. Like that's the problem. I, I don't think it was um available during yours because yours took place way before mine. But uh, during my like time period, there was like this. It was actually created by Congress itself, and you like it's mandatory that hospitals have to report. Um, to the database if something goes wrong and nobody reported anything. For like Dr. Death, like he got suspended for 30 days after one of his surgeries. And what happens when you have suspensions is like he had to go to another hospital and they like wrote a letter that said he had no suspensions. Like what? And he like literally, he like flew off to LA after like, after doing surgery on a patient and like forgot to book a call physician to like check up on his own patient. Oh my god. And the hospital was just like, yeah, like nothing bad happened. Like it was a mutual. No, it wasn't. (laughs) No, like I was just like, that's literally crazy. Bro was like Okay, and then so this is just like miscellaneous, I guess. But um the another thing would be like they would be covering patients during breaks. So um that means like providing them with needs like medications and working with them even though um they're not supposed to be working with them um so like maybe a patient is like fine and like the doctor already gave them the treatments and everything and then the nurse or maybe like the doctor isn't even supposed to be working with them anymore so then another doctor or nurse will come in and then like give them extra treatment and then like like harm them I always see this in movies bro like somebody dresses up as a doctor and like comes into the hospital fake like shot into the <laughs> except this time it is a doctor what <laughs> and then um another thing would be they make predictions on who will and won't die so basically like they feel like they have a lot of power like and they can like basically decide on on who will die and who won't die that's so messed up i yeah. know and then like they, this literally happened during my case too because the people would be like um, they would be talking to the other nurses and then they'd be like, oh yeah, this person is going to die. And that's because they were literally going to kill them like literally that night. And then <laughs> they die and it's like, whoa. <laughs> and it's like, wait, like how did you not even like, like how did this not raise any red flags to you? Like, I'm so sorry. Yeah, they were like, wow, that nurse is like really good at predicting things. Yeah, like she's so good at predicting when someone's going to die. A little too good. <laughs> yeah. 
I feel like all this like low-key flows back to ego problems literally like, bro and like um I feel like the people that that do do these stuff like they they want to be a doctor like probably for the money like not even for for like actually helping people because I feel like to be a good doctor you have to actually genuinely care about people and genuinely like want to help but if you're just doing it for the money then you're going to be like careless and stuff that's true and then they're also like found consistently in locations in like the hospital where they're really not supposed to be um and then I remember in the movie that I watched like the good nurse um this guy was always in like rooms with I think his main way of killing people I might be wrong was but he would like um put inject them with like insulin um even though they're like not diabetic and um and then this would like like I forgot they said something but it it would like do something to their body and then eventually the patients would die and he was like always found in the rooms where like you would find the insulin and it's like he wasn't even supposed to be there you know bro I think that one's a harder one to spot though because it's like everybody has something to do and it's really hard to just be like oh this doctor is in the wrong room right (laughs) yeah because you don't know um Oh, and then I think I think in the movie though, the nurse that the nurse that was like helping out with the whole trial, she actually did see him and she was like, Babes, what are you doing? And he was like, <laughs> um, bye. Halo. <laughs> Just like somebody like I think it's like so much harder for like doctors to get called out, right? Because like when they, they're a doctor, like that's like saying I'm gonna like call like the president of the like if you're like working under them and you're a boss like how are you gonna call them out like they can fire you low-key you know yeah and then um okay wait I guess in that situation like if you're a nurse seeing this stuff then maybe like I guess like a a solution for that could be like the nurse could just talk to another doctor and talk to like Mm -hmm. someone like in charge of the doctor you know as future medics when you become a medic don't neglect your nurses (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're like the underdogs bro like they were the ones like taking up all the witnessing even for the doctor death case like yeah, yeah. yeah nurses are very like underrated mm-hmm. okay and then another thing is that they'd have like a higher incidence of death during their shifts and like in my case they definitely did have like um they had like a higher like I think it was like five or six times more than than the other people other shifts would have like with the number of deaths and I don't know why no one noticed it I think that was like another red flag that they finally like when they finally like started paying attention that was like a big red flag to them um but yeah like like six times the usual amount like that's no. like I think that's a lot <laughs> or like um 33 out of 37 of your patients is also a lot not to name any names <laughs> and then the last thing I have is that um so they would make inconsistent statements when lying about tests. When they're like asked to to tell why they did this test or why they like perf- or injected this patient with with this treatment or stuff like that, like why they did the the medical stuff that they did. Um, obviously, they're not going to have a clear answer if it's like for if it's because they're intentionally trying to kill someone, right? So they'll mm-hmm. just like answer and like riddles basically like it'll be like so hard to comprehend and you're just like girl what are you saying and then you're just like, on. oh my god i mean dr death didn't really like i don't think he was ever like confronted like that 
did not care enough to think that deep and yeah, like, eating chips. Bro was busy. Yeah, but he like eating chips. He, <laughs> <laughs> he would write like um like pages and pages of like emails back to anybody that would insult him. Like Dr. Kirby called him um a psychopath and he would or sorry, a sociopath and he was like, How can you call me that? Blah, 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 blah. Like they were literally like, going back and forth in like a texting rage. It was like a oh my God. it was like a Twitter hate page. Oh my goodness. He would like he um when he was like about to go into trial, he like wrote like this I don't know I don't know if it was like sixty pages or something, but it was just a long thing basically like denying everything. He was like, I'm innocent and all the all the surgeries were perfect and it was just all my patient's fault. Yeah, he did say that. He was like, Everything everybody said about me is all wrong. Like Oh my god. <laughs> basically like trust me over all of the like 500 people that are saying that I'm a bad surgeon like how does that even make sense yeah and like when he he wouldn't be asked why he did things but like like he would just like defend overall his surgery like you know like for example with the fentanyl thing he said that his patient had an allergy to fentanyl like bro Mm -hmm. when somebody called him out for like operating on the wrong body part he was like you're wrong he was like that's I asked 16 other radiologists and they all agreed with me. So therefore you're wrong. You know what I got all of the people? Like it's his confidence, bro. It's the way that like confidence yeah. make a difference. Cause if you were like shaky, like like Josh, I think a point like the one you were talking about, it's like if they have different answers, like I feel like it would also be like a a signal that they have a problem if they were like shaky, right? Mm-hmm. Or with answers. Dr. Death was never shaky. He yeah. was like always he like knows what's going on, even though he didn't never know what's going on, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so he made a scene like I feel like confidence can really change like and really like does. it changes a lot. Yeah. Especially with like patients who are really struggling and like they feel kind of hopeless. They're just gonna like take the word and yeah. go with it. <laughs> I, I remember like at the beginning of every patient's introduction when I was reading, they were always like the first thing I liked about him is like his confidence. Okay. okay, so that's all I have. Does anyone else have anything to add? I think I'm good. Me too. Yeah, that was a lot covered in like one episode. <laughs> a lot of discussion. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, okay, so with that out of the way, just another reminder to follow us on Instagram and then listen to Amy's podcast. I'll link her podcast in the description too. And then follow us on all platforms okay so our next episode is going to be really interesting because we have like two researchers lined up and both of their like inventions are actually like so like crazy and so smart and I'm just like holy crap like how do you think of this like I was talking to them and I was like what the heck but yeah so those are like going to be two really interesting episodes that we have back to back so stay tuned for that one more thing we have a TikTok now. Oh my god! And we guys, we like basically went viral. Like, wait, I really saw it. It was like the running through your mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyways, you guys should follow the TikTok. I think it's weird for some reason they put dots in the middle of everything, but it's at medics dot on dot the dot dot Mike. Oh, dot dot Mike. No dot Mike. Just one dot. She'll she'll put it in the description since we don't. Yeah. Have <laughs> but like our TikToks are actually kind of entertaining, so definitely. Yeah, watch and them. not even just entertaining. Like I know these podcasts might be like you know ours are on the longer end, and it's more of like a time investment to listen to. But like 
our TikToks have like very much like shortened advice that you can take it like for whatever you want, whether it's like um like internships or like just like what I think we did one on like what courses you can take if you're interested in med. Like we just have like very <laughs> shortened um versions of all the advice that we give on here. So yeah, just like for an on the go type of thing. Yeah. And I guess that's all that I have. So with that out of the way, med, med- off the mic. Oh. <laughs>